Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. All right, everybody, welcome back to another GDT Wednesday, actually. Uh, the day after the global trade yesterday, it is March 16th. For reference, I am your host, Cody Coster. With me, Mr. John Spain. How are John? How are we doing? Doing very well today, Cody. Coming to you from uh, sunny Florida while we're on spring break. So uh, I know the GDT was yesterday, but didn't want to leave everybody hanging here. So we went ahead and uh, got off the beach, and uh, I'm here to here to try to run through what's going on here in the markets. Awesome. Well, if we look at the GDT that we had yesterday, John, uh, not quite the bullish participation that we've seen the past four to five you know, segments. Yeah, you know, Cody, uh, speaking of spring breaks, uh, we had yesterday a GDT, and um, by no means was it a disastrous GDT, but what we need to point out, two things. First of all, it was lower, and I think this was the first time in five auctions that we were lower. Uh, Please don't hold me to that, just because, like I said, I'm away from uh, all of my data sheets, but uh, it was the first time in five auctions, I believe, that we were lower, and you know, that that just kind of always concerns people, but most importantly, I think what really stands out is that there was a lot of anticipation built into the whole note powder futures. I think uh, before the auction, at one point in time, they were forecasting a close to I got almost another 8% higher at one point in time, when in fact the whole milk powder futures came in slightly lower on the day. Again, not disastrous, but when we line it up compared to, you know, what expectations were, certainly came in less than expectations and a bit of a disappointment, I think, to a lot of people. Yeah, looking at whole milk powder that we had yesterday, negative uh, 2.1%. Now, skim milk powder, on the other hand, up 1.6%. That seemed to be kind of the shining star, if you will, uh, of the whole auction was the skim milk powder. Yep, you know, and skim milk powder, it was higher, and at the same point in time, it, you know, it came in just a little bit less than what people were forecasting it to come in. Nothing disastrous again, but uh, it was able to, to manage 1.6 higher. That comes in at a, I forget exactly what price, but I believe it puts us again above $2 in, whole, or in skim milk powder. And uh, that's just the kind of stuff that says, hey, the, the U.S., when and if possible, we're still going to export a lot of skim milk powder. You know, we're, we're just going to, and, you know, that is assuming that we can get it on a boat and out the door. I'm just looking at it here. That skim milk powder result yesterday was a 206 was the settlement price there, 206 for skim milk powder, and I think we're down around 184. So still a lot of room to grow here in the U.S. And then as we move over to cheddar, that cheddar price was pretty impressive as well. It was actually a teeny bit higher on the day, right? Nothing uh, too earth-shattering. But it, that translates into two ninety one a pound on the cheddar price there on the GDT. So uh, again, there's a, a big difference between two ninety one cheddar and the you know just today's auction on the CME, where I believe blocks made it back down to two oh five. Was it today? Correct. Yep, you're correct. So you know uh, uh, again a, a huge price spread there, uh, a huge amount of runway for us to do some very good exports. And I suspect that we have been doing exports and we will continue to do more exports. If there was another thing, though, that I think some may have concerned some people about this GDT, 
was that Chinese participation was lower than it has been in a while. And that, you know, we could say that is for a number of different reasons. And one of which was, you know, the, the Chinese right now it are, you know, having some pretty severe lockdowns again, right? And, and going through that kind of COVID-related stuff. I'm not sure that that was it, but it was certainly part of, you know, partially could be why they weren't there. And as well as, you know, the, all of the other commodities in the world yesterday that have had kind of a fear bid into them, if you will, uh, wheat and corn and, and, and oil and all the energies. I, I don't want to say that the Ukrainian situation is you know, uh, is calming down, but there does seem to be a little bit of a break in the clouds there, if you will. And I think that has some people feeling like there might be room for commodities in general to settle down. We'll see. And and hopefully there is peace under all circumstances. But even if there is uh, a peace that's brokered, we'll, we'll have to see what, how does that actually translate back out to commodities? And uh, I would also say, even if there is some sort of peace accord that is met, I think a lot of damage has been done on the, the Russian relations. And I would have to assume that it'll be hard for the Ukraine to just pick it up again and move on like nothing happened. So I do think we're looking at some long-term issues in the in the general macro market. But and at the same point in time, those, those some of those issues calmed down yesterday, and maybe that took some of the bid out of the GDT. And then that seems to have translated back over here to the U.S. Almost immediately after the GDT finished, the futures market here started pulling back on class three and cheese and really started to see some weakness there. And, you know, those things, sometimes these things cascade on top of themselves where, well, geez, if the Chinese aren't buying on the GDT, then that must mean that prices are coming down and we won't have any more exports here. I I don't really see that as the case, but nevertheless, uh, markets do what markets do. And there was a knock, I believe there was a knockout effect of a weaker than anticipated GDT translating into a little bit of weakness here in the U.S. Not just a little bit of weakness, but a lot of weakness here in the U.S. I was just going to say, for the GDT, it wasn't as bullish as it's been in the past, John, but it wasn't an absolute bearish one either. You know, down as as a whole, negative 0.9%. Doesn't it kind of seem like that was people's perception because it wasn't as bullish as it was getting propped up to be. That's why futures were getting smashed up yesterday and leading into today also. I mean, today has not really changed anything on that side of the effect. You know, Cody, like I stated, I I don't see it as being a bearish uh, number. It was actually only slightly lower on the GDT. You know, on the whole, it was only slightly lower by uh, 0.9%, right? Mm -hmm. Again, uh, when you get into a situation where everybody has some some pretty big anticipation built into pricing and whole powder comes in 2.1% lower as opposed to 8% higher, right? That, that, and then you say, well, why didn't it go up? And part of it is, you know, Chinese participation. It starts to create a little bit, bit of concern out there. I don't want to say it's unfounded concern, but I do tend to look at it and say, Boy, if you're uh, looking for a price to buy, a break to buy, then somewhere in here on the the chi side, that's probably what you're looking for. This is or this is probably what you're looking for. Um, and then over on the non-fat side, like I said, it, it just and, and both cheese and non-fat it, and butter, if for that matter, but specifically cheese and non-fat, it's saying, hey, there's still a lot of differential between the U.S. price and the international price. 
And in general, international prices are going higher right now. And then so much so if you want to look over to the European side and say, well, what's going on over there? I think it's important to point out that in Europe right now, prices are moving higher as well. Those prices are moving higher, not only because of the Ukrainian effect, but there's also, you know, milk production in Europe is not getting better. And if we stand back from this whole picture here and say, what has driven dairy prices higher? If we stand back from the whole thing, we've always had very good demand across the world, you know, almost for the last year. There's been no question about that. But it's really been supply that has disappointed. And it was European supply that started the whole shebang, if you will, or got first. And European milk production was significantly lower and then really suffered here towards the end of last year. As we've moved into this year, there was an anticipation that, you know, the situation would get better. And it did there for a week or maybe two weeks on the mark. And then now it's moving backwards again. So I think it's important to remember that the big catalyst that helped us get to the point where we are at, even before the Ukrainian effect, you know, even before that, we were in, you know, that situation was a very bullish situation. European milk supply is suffering. Then the U.S. milk production started suffering. And now you have New Zealand milk production suffering. And you're not getting better. So I think if you stand back from it and say, boy, all of those things are still in motion, prices have moved higher, there's a tremendous amount of room for us to export product to other parts of the world, I I guess I stand back from this and say, still a very supportive market, but one that is going to be, have setbacks like we're seeing right here, where there's a little bit of air up here, and we go from 220 blocks to 205, and the course of a few days on on no, you know, very, very little transactions, and I, I guess I wouldn't rule out the idea that at some point in here, we'll be right back into new highs of the year here on the cheese market, and we'll see kind of the same action on the way up, where suddenly there won't be very much cheese for sale, and that we'll still see non-fat go up into new highs of the year, still see butter move into new highs of the year. But right here on March 16th, the market has decided to take a little bit of a setback. And uh, I think you have to be prepared for this kind of stuff. And I mean, you and I have talked about it. Even on the bullish GDTs, we've had a little bit of a setback the day of and the day after the past couple of transactions. So this is nothing new. Uh, as you said, markets are going to do what markets are going to do. And they're doing that very, very well. If you look at the class three and class four portions, you and I have done the math on that. Looking at our class three specifically in the U.S., we are still about four to five dollar discount to the EU and New Zealand at this point. Class four is getting a little bit tighter. I'd say two to three dollars cheaper. But that class three discrepancy has become largely talked about at least in the phone calls that I'm having. You know, it just leads back to the fact that our cheese is so much discount to the rest of the world, and our cheese is discount to the non-fat and the butter side here in the domestic market. So if you were to look at any one price in dairy right now across all product categories and then compare them to all regions, again, I think I said it on the last podcast, The anomaly here isn't the high prices of everything else in all of the other regions. In my opinion, the anomaly is really the low price of class three here in the U.S. That our cheese market is significantly lower than the rest of the world. And our cheese market, our cheese and whey combined are trading significantly lower, albeit at a very high price. Right, twenty two seventy one on a spot basis. You can't say that's tremendously. I think we're a little bit lower than that today, but you can't say that is you know a, a, a 
bad price. What you can say, though, is, is that that's significantly lower than our class four price. And that are at the same point in time, you can also say that both our class three and class four prices are lower than the rest of the world. But specifically, I'll point out that class three is the one that stands out. And, you know, I I think we again, I'll, I'll say that it leaves a lot of opportunity for export. I think we will have those exports. Those, those exports are happening right now, but I think it's important to point out that there are still port issues and that every once in a while those port issues get clogged up and people say, I, I need to sell cheese or this cheese needs to get on a boat or it needs to get sold. And that kind of backs up into our system. And so, but I, I think if we had more reliability in our transportation sector right now, that we'd be seeing our cheese price be significantly higher than it is right now. Absolutely. Well, John, we know you're on vacation. We appreciate you being here. We don't want to take up too much, you know, more of your time with family and friends. Is there any one thing that you would hit on as a, as a last parting comment um, before we let you go for this, this GDT auction that we had? No, I think it goes back to the idea uh, and we've kind of touched on the theme two or three times here on this podcast. And that is, it was not a bearish GDT. No, I'm not one for being able to read the subtlety of tea leaves. So maybe somebody saw something in there that really disturbed them from a demand picture. Uh, If there was one thing that you can point out, again, it would be that the Chinese just weren't there. They They were there. Let me back that up. The Chinese were there. They just weren't there with the participation force that they have been over the last four or five sessions. And that allowed prices to come in a little bit lower than what people expected. Specifically in home milk powder, it came in a lot lower. So I guess I would look at it to say, I don't view that as a bearish GDT. I view it as a GDT that just wasn't as strong as what people thought it could be. And as a result, it seems to have cascaded over um, and do some weakness here in the U.S. Absolutely. Well, John, we appreciate you being here. Uh, We will let you go and enjoy the rest of your vacation. Thank you. Until next time, everybody, it's going to do it for John and myself. We will see you in about two weeks. Please email us with any questions, comments, or concerns. But until then, have a great one.